Today, I have entitled the sermon, The God Who Enables You. We have understood many things about God. God is the one who sees us. God is the one who multiplies us. God is the one who rewards us. But today, I want to say that God is the one who enables you and I. So I have chosen Genesis chapter 18, verses 9 to 15, as a springboard for our sermon this afternoon. Kindly turn to that passage Genesis chapter 18, verses 9 uh, to 15. And when you have a kindly stand as we read God's word together. Genesis chapter 18, verses number 9 to verse number 15. Kindly stand for the reading of the scripture, please. Genesis 18, verses 9 to 15. When you have it, say amen. I'll wait for you, Dickie. You getting it? Dick is getting the word. Genesis 18, verses 9 to number 15. And they said unto him, they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly, Sister Pat, Return unto thee, note this, according to the time of life. Oh, hallelujah. God is a God who comes on time, but he gives life when he comes. And lo, Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door where she was, which was behind him, behind Abraham. Now Abraham, catch this, this is deep. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed <laughs> within herself, saying, After I'm waxed old or have grown old, shall I have pleasure? In other words, shall I be able to have sexual intimacy with my husband? My Lord being low, old also? And the Lord, notice, the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which I'm old? Notice this, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will turn unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, and saying, I, I laugh not. For she was afraid, and said, and he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. But thou didst laugh the God who enables you tell your neighbor the God who enables you let us pray Heavenly Father Heavenly Father I need you to enable me at this moment I need your spirit to flow in me at this moment because when that happens my brother and the sister are safe they're going to hear God's word I'm praying Lord that you would humble me and Take away any sense of pride in me and just you speak through me, Heavenly Father. I really need it, Father. I feel like a mountain is on my shoulders right now. Please help me, Lord. In just my pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I will give you the car. I will give you the car. Two months pass. The car has not been given. The person comes again to you and says, I will give you the car. Your faith is renewed. It is strengthened that the car is going to come. 
But from the time that the declaration is made again, six months later, you still haven't gotten the car. And the person comes again and they tell you, I will give you the car. At some point after three times being promised the car, the third time and the fourth time and the fifth time, the promise to have the car is not so strong anymore. It loses its punch. It no longer has pungency. It no longer has kick because the person has promised but has not delivered. Doesn't it feel like that sometimes with God? Right? You read the word of God and, and God promises you, I will give you the husband. It's not good to be alone, right? I will give you the job because you have studied. I will give you the wisdom. I, I will do this. I will do that. But uh, with time, the promises are not realized. And, and now you begin to say, you know what, God, you cannot take care of my inability. You cannot help me in my situation. You cannot do anything for me because what God is promising has not become a reality. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And so because of that, I find that we look at our situation and now we paint God as a God, sorry, as a God who cannot do what he says he can do. Don't miss what I'm saying. This is deep right here. Because we see that God can't provide what he has promised to provide in the time which he has promised to provide it, we begin to develop the idea that God is incapable of doing what he has said he can do. And so you see yourself, I don't have a job. And so uh, you look at a God who cannot give you a job. God is a jobless God. He doesn't know how to provide me a particular job. I don't have health and I'm praying for health, but I don't have health. And so you look at God, God, you cannot give me health. You, yeah, yeah, I know that Jesus healed in the past. I know that people walked in the past. I know that dead people walked, rose up from the grave. But Lord, you, 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 no, you can't do this for me. And so God looks or sounds like somebody who is not capable, somebody who cannot help us. And so our inabilities debilitate us. But allow me once again to tease you and to challenge you that when you feel like God is unable... Don't think about your incapabilities. Don't think about your inabilities. I'm challenging you that you need to think about God's ability to do what he says he's going to do. Uh, pastor, I like that. I like that. Now, allow me to tell you this. This is a challenging thing because how can I believe in a God who is not doing what he says he can do? Yeah, people are praying, Dickie, all the time. Here, yeah, have faith. That's what we're told. Right? But what you have faith in doesn't seem to be coming to pass. And this is where we find ourselves in a struggle. There is a spiritual tension in us. Like, like I want to believe in God. I read the word of God. But when I look at my life, the reality doesn't match what God is saying. And so how do I find myself believing in God? And so there is this what I call spiritual tension in our lives. But allow me to suggest to you that even though you feel like God cannot do what he says, believe in him anyway. Because God, God is a master of one-on-one. -on -one. And so the Bible says, Abraham receives visitors, and his visitors are eating dinner. I don't know what they were eating, maybe nasi uruk or nasi goreng, the uh, uh, Israelite version. I don't know what they were eating, but as they were eating a meal, the Bible says, God asks Abraham a question, says the Lydia, where is Sarah your wife? <laughs> 
It tells me something that God is a personal God. Our psychologists will do personality tests. Are we together? They'll do personality tests and they'll ask you kind of uh, uh, questions. When I was in, in high school, uh, I went through a, a kind of like a psychoanalysis, you know. Uh, and this is strange. Uh, let me tell you this. On my psychoanalysis, it came, uh, he is very aggressive. We're not sure that he can make something of himself in life and he might end up in jail. That was my psychoanalysis when I was in high school, right? But in order for the psychologist to come up with that psychoanalysis, you know what they had to do? They had to ask me questions and I had to answer those questions and I answered them honestly. But God doesn't need to do a psychoanalysis on you. God knows you by name. God doesn't come to you and says, what's your name? No, God already knows it. And so God asked Abraham, Abraham, where is Sarah? Sarah, remember her, the one I gave her the name in chapter 70? Where is she at? And so it allowed me to understand that God is a one-on-one -on -one God. He didn't come for Abraham. He didn't come for the servants of Abraham. But he came for Sarah. And this is what I want you to understand. When God looks at you, he knows your name. He knows your name. And I love this because the Bible says uh, God is asking where is Sarah your wife? Because Sarah was called Sarai. Right? But God changed her name to Sarah. And he, have you understood that each one of us has a, a new name? Each one of us, the name is Christian. Are you understand what I mean? I am Henry, but my real name is a Christian because I believe in Jesus. And so my brother and my sister understand God has given you a name. And because he has given you a name, you are his. Okay, I'm not preaching it because you're not feeling it. I'm, I'm feeling this uh, right here. But God says, Sarah, where are you? Because he understands her name. He knows her personally. And I want you to know that God knows you personally. When you come to him in prayer, God doesn't ask, oh, is that, is that Rihanna praying again? No, he knows the sound of your voice. He knows the, the cadence of your words. He knows how you speak. And so he knows, yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's uh, Johannes. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's that, that's Henry. God knows your name. God doesn't only know your name. God has mastered the one-on-one -on -one thing because the Bible says, he asked, where is Sarah, your wife? The Bible says, uh, according to Abraham, he says, she is in the tent. And so it tells me, God knows your location. God knows your address. God knows your apartment number. He knows the room in which you stay in. He knows the situation that you're in. And here it is, my brother and my sister. The Bible says God is talking to Abraham. And, and Abraham is, is talking to these men. But Sarah is behind in the tent. She cannot see God. But God can see her in her location. You are in a, a low position in your job. God can see that position, that location. You don't feel like your husband doesn't see you. God sees you. He knows the location of your heart. He knows the location of your emotions. God knows where you are because God has mastered the art of one-on-one. -on -one. You guys ain't feeling it, but I'm feeling it, my brother and my sister. You see, the Bible says in verse number 11, uh, Sarah and Abraham were old. And what that tells me is that God knows your age. Ladies, God knows your biological clock. Hallelujah. He knows your age. Some of you, Dickie, he knows how young you are. 
And that is discouraging sometimes because as a young man, and uh, you look at yourself, there are certain things you can't do. You have to get permission from your parents to maybe go to this place or buy this. God understands. He knows your age. Some of you are praying, Lord, when am I going to get that promotion? God knows, you know, you're still too young. Or maybe you're, 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 you're not there yet. God knows your age because God is a personal God. He's a one-on-one God. The details of your life, the kate pay, right? God has your kate pay in the foul room of heaven. He understands what you, where, where, where you are. So my brother, my sister, allow me to tell you that when you feel like you are incapable, believe that God knows that you feel that you're incapable because he has your personal details. And so allow me to tell you the second thing that I understand that should give us courage to believe in the abilities of God is that God is the master of the calendar. You see, many of you wake up in the morning, uh, you, you, you schedule things on your calendar, you understand what I mean? You, 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 you put things in place and your life must move according to schedule. Some of you need to wake up at, at 4.30 and, and make sure that you work at, at, at 6 and, and you do this at 8. And t- God is beyond that already. God already owns the calendar. Time is in his hands. And so the Bible says, God telling Sarah, I will return to you according to the time of life. You see, God's calendar is not just any simple calendar. It is a life-giving calendar. On August 17th, 1945, I can't say this right, but the islands of Indonesia, they experienced what I call the time of life. And on that day, the 17th of August 1945, it was a time when the country was born, called Indonesia. It was a time when it was freed from the shackles of Dutch uh, uh, colonization. And the country was free because on that day, that was the time of life. So allow me to tell you like this. When God comes in your life and he tells you, next year I'm going to do this. Next year I'm going to do that. Understand that the time God comes, that is the time of life. God is coming to change your situation. God is coming to give you life. So God operates on life dates. God's dates are not just any kind of dates, but they are dates that are meant to change your life forever. For me, my time of life was on May 3rd, 2006, because on that day, I went into the grave of baptism, and I never knew that my life would be what it was today. But I praise the Lord that on this day, I can say and truly believe that I am living my best life. So the dates the dates that God has set for your life allow me to tell you that those are the de- dates of life because God is a master of the calendar. You're worried about a job, God knows that. You're worried about a relationship, God knows that. You're worried about your finances, God knows that. But the day the date that God has set to deliver you with a job, it's going to be a life-giving job. The day God has said to give you financial blessing is going to be the day of financial life. Are you understand what I'm saying? Because when God comes in your life and, and acts on your life, there's going to be a change. And that's why he's telling Sarah, Sarah, next year, next year you're going to have a son. Sarah's like, Lord, I'm going to have a son. Yes, you're going to have a son because I want to change things in your life. 
You see, it tells me something. Hear me carefully. Sarah was dead. Her womb was dead. She couldn't, she couldn't have children. She was dead. And I know some of you feel like you're dead. Are you understand me? The promotion ain't coming. You're dead in your job. Right? Your health is not there. You are dead in your body. Uh, somebody told me today, Pastor, I haven't felt well this week. I I've been feeling sick and I felt it all over my body. Perhaps you are that person. And when you wake up in the morning and you go to the, uh, uh, to the, to the, to the bathroom and you open up your car, your, your, uh, your cupboard in the bathroom, uh, that mirror, you open it up, all you see is pills, prescription pills, blood pressure, lung pressure, <laughs> heart pressure. My, I don't know. Sarah, next year you're going to have a son. And I want to tell you, my brother and my sister, there is a date God has set for you. There is a date that God wants to deliver you out of your situation. I do not know when. I do not know how. But God has put you in his calendar. And he says, I will do something for this daughter of mine. I will do something for this son of mine. I will make a change and they will see that I'm intending to give them life. So God's dates... Our debt, dates, not debts, <laughs> God can also clear your debts. But God's dates, our debts, our dates, debts, dates, oh Lord, have mercy. They're dates of life. You see, when the date comes, things will turn around. There's a calendar date for your marriage. There's a calendar date for your job interview. There's a calendar date for your financial breakthrough. I don't know what it is, but God has set you on his calendar and he's going to do something great uh, for you. You see, God had put Sarah on his calendar. The Bible says, and she heard it behind the tent door. Are you understand what I mean? She heard her date behind the calendar door. Allow me to tell you like this. Sometimes God's dates for you are not told to you. They are told to somebody else. But it doesn't matter who God tells them to. What it tells me is that as long as God has put you on his calendar, God is going to do something for you and make a change in your life. But it tells me something else. You see, she was behind the tent door when God gave her her date. Are you understand what I mean? She was in a circumstance that she couldn't be seen. And some of you are in a circumstance that you cannot be seen. But allow me to tell you, it doesn't matter the circumstance. It doesn't matter what you're going through. But God has you on a calendar date and he's going to do something and change your situation. God is the master of the calendar. And I'm glad for it. I'm glad for it, my brother. You don't need to rush God. Some of you are rushing God. All right? You're rushing God. Going to this interview and that interview and that interview. But not getting the job. Because you're rushing God. Right? Some of you are <laughs> talking to this guy. Some of you are talking to that girl and this girl. You know, some of you have many DMs. Don't rush God. He has you on his calendar. Amen? Church, I don't know if I'm telling you something because, you know, you should be excited about this. You know what I mean? You know how you feel when, when somebody sells, tells you, hey, on Tuesday... You and I, we're going to have lunch. I put you in my... You know how you make it... It makes you feel important. And I want you to know that you are important. I want you to know that God is thinking about you because he has put you on his calendar. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You see, 
when you're thinking about your inabilities and thinking that God cannot help you, you need to think about something else. That God is the master of puzzles. You see, according to the fountain of all knowledge, Wikipedia, I don't know if you guys use Wikipedia, but I use Wikipedia almost all the time. And when I don't understand something, I go to Wikipedia. And so I wanted to understand what a puzzle is according to Wikipedia. This is what I found out. This is a jinky. This is what I found out. You see, according to Wikipedia, a puzzle is a, a problem. Right? It is a, it is a problem that is expected to be solved. Right? And, and so uh, as when a puzzle is being put together, in order for you to solve the puzzle, you need to approach it, Sister Janet, in a logical way. This piece needs to go here and here and here and here, right? And so we have puzzles like search puzzles. We have crossword puzzles. We have uh, number puzzles. We have relational puzzles. We have logic puzzles. We have rubric, uh, uh, rubrics, cube puzzles. There, there are many puzzles. And here's something that I discovered so amazing. Follow this. This is what I discovered. It says, puzzles are generally created to test people's abilities. Puzzles are created to test people's abilities. Uh, those who have created puzzles, they want to test how smart you are. Are you understand what I mean? And some really smart people are able to solve difficult puzzles. But allow me to tell you something. Life can give us puzzles we cannot solve. How many of us can solve a dead loved one? Impossible. How many of us, uh, mothers, uh, I mean, you, you're trying to get a kid and you've tried, you've tried, but it's not working. How many of you can solve that puzzle? You, you go to the doctor and all this, but that's a puzzle you cannot solve. Are you understand what I mean? You've lost a job. You're trying to apply. You can't get hired. That's a puzzle you cannot solve. But I love God because the Bible says, according to verse number 14, is there anything too hard for me? Is there a puzzle that I cannot solve? And that's what he's asking uh, Abraham. Abraham, there is no puzzle that I cannot solve. And so my brother and my sister, you find yourself in a situation that is difficult. A problem that you cannot understand. I want you to understand, brother Donald, God can solve it. He gets it. You don't get it yet. But you're going to get it in a minute. You see, me, when I look at a puzzle, I get overwhelmed. I look at all the pieces and I'm like, pieces and I'm like, how am I going to put all this together? But the Bible says God does not get overwhelmed. Because when the Bible says in verse number 14, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Actually the word is, is, is there anything too wonderful for the Lord? In other words, God doesn't look at his word and says, man, I am overwhelmed. I can't deal with this. Like how it is sometimes. You're so stressed, right? You're getting calls left and right about this and that. Oh, you know what she said about you? You know what he said about you? It's going on. Your boss is calling. And you're like, it's too much. God is not like that. God says, bring it on. Because when it's being brought on, God is able to solve that situation. So my brother and my sister, let me tell you today, there is no problem in your life that God cannot solve. But Sarah was overwhelmed. The Bible says Sarah was, was, was very old. She was old. No, that's an adjective to describe a person who is who has lost the physical beauty. There is wrinkles all over her body. In fact, I can imagine her with, uh, with maybe walking with a little bed in her back. She was old. The Bible says that she was stricken in age. In, in, the, in the Hebrew, it's very, it's very interesting. The, 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 the language, the, 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 the text is saying, she had come 
to her days. <laughs> in other words, the Bible is saying she was so old that she had already lived the entirety of her life. And some of you are coming to your days. Are you understand what I mean? She was like that. And the Bible says that it has stopped to be with her after the man of women. In other words, she was that old and age was overwhelming her. She was, she, she, she really was in a situation she could not solve for herself. But God likes situations like that because that gives him an opportunity to step up. Ah, because when you can solve a problem, God cannot step in because you have it under control. I just want to mean, you know, you know, you know, sometimes when you're trying to help people, right? They come to you, hey, my phone is not working. And he'll be like, let me see. And they will not give you the phone. And they're like, no, show me the problem. I'm like, no, can I, can I get the phone? Because I know the settings and I can, I can get there. Are you understand what I mean? But some people, they'll be like, oh, which setting? And some of us are like that. When we have a puzzle, God is saying, can you, can you give me the, the, the problem? Uh, God, I got it. Just show me what, what buttons should I press. Yeah, but God wants us to be in a situation where we say, Lord, take it. I don't want it. So he wanted Sarah to be in that situation that she was so old. And so I want you to understand, God likes it that you can't solve your problem. Because what that means is, you are going to de depend on him, Sister Mona, to solve your problem. I understand what I'm saying. I want you to get God's word right here. And so my brother and my sister, take courage when things are hard. Take courage when you have been fasting for days. And uh, the prayer answers are not coming. Take courage when you feel so tired that you can't study anymore. Take courage when your eyes uh, cannot see as well as they should. Take courage, my brother and my sister, when the difficulties are mounting upon you because it tells me that God is about to do something. The Bible says it had ceased to be with her after the man of women. She couldn't give children. She couldn't have birth. It, it had stopped for her. And so God was able, <laughs> was able to do something. Uh, it tells me that uh, Sarah could not get pregnant. And some of us here are trying to get pregnant. Are you understand what I'm saying? I follow what I'm saying? You see, pregnancy is an attempt to create life. And some of us are attempting to create life in our marriages. We're trying to get pregnant in our marriages, right? Bring life in our marriages. Some of us are trying to get pregnant in our churches. Bring life uh, to our churches. Some of us are trying to get pregnant in our relationship. Get what I'm saying? Not get pregnant, pregnant, but you're trying to bring life to the relationship. You're, you're looking for the days when, when she used to say, I love you and for nothing and she'll text you. You, wanna, you want that to come back. You're, you're looking for life so that you can enjoy your job. When you wake up in the morning, you, you put on your batik or your, your, your best when you go to work. You should feel good about that. You're trying to bring life. You're, you're trying to bring life into your exercise life. And you're going to the gym and you, you sign up for a personal trainer. And sometimes you want to join Pastor Henry, but you're, you're too tired. I don't understand for car free day. That, that's another story for another day. But you're trying to bring life to yourself. You're trying to get pregnant. But Sarah couldn't get pregnant. And some of you cannot get pregnant. It's too hard. It's too difficult. But I want you to understand that that's the situation that God loves. Now here's the thing, when God says, I'm going to give you life, Sarah laughs about it. <laughs> I don't know what to laugh is in Bahasa, but the Bible says Sarah laughed about it. Huh? Katawa. She laughed about it because in her mind, it didn't make sense. Lord, my puzzle is so confusing and you're telling me you're going to solve it? Lord, you must be lying to me. And so she laughed. 
She didn't laugh because she wanted to laugh, but she laughed in disbelief because she couldn't believe her ears that God could do something like that. You see, in each and every one of us, there is a spirit of disbelief. And you know why it comes? Because we see our abilities and they determine our thought process. Because we can't get a job, therefore when God says I can give you a job, we judge God's ability to give us a job because on our inability to get a job. Sarah was looking at her inability to have a kid and she judged God as in, unable to give her a kid. And so many of us, we put God in a certain box because of our situation. And it makes sense. The woman had been promised to have a child 25 years ago. When she left her homeland, it was 25 years. And God is coming again and saying, I'm going to give you a kid, Sister Aerith. And she's like, Lord, you know what? Uh, you said that 25 years ago, right? <laughs> it hasn't happened yet. And, and, and I want to I I talk to you for a moment. That, that, that's okay because uh, it's a logical human thing to think like that. You've been praying for something that hasn't come. And then you hear a promise from the preacher. He says, God is going to give it to you. Are you going to believe that? He's preaching. 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 It was 25 years ago you, did, you said that. God said that. 25, and, and now you're telling me the same thing again. No, uh, preacher, uh, look, uh, you, you must be joking. But my brother and my sister, I want you to see that you cannot put God in a box based upon your inabilities, based upon the things that you cannot see. You must allow yourself, and here is it, my brother and my sister, it's a spiritual principle. You must allow yourself to elevate your spiritual sight. Do not look at your inabilities in the, in the sense of physical yeah, disabilities and what is happening in you. You must have a spiritual eyesight. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. You must be willing to see what God can do in spite of what you feel. You must be able, okay, God can give me a job. I believe that I, uh, God can give me a job. You must believe God on credit. Many of us, we like using credit cards, right? Because we're going to pay later. You know, you must also believe God on credit. He's going to pay you later, right? Believe him now. Don't use debit cards with God. God doesn't need a debit card. You need to use a credit card. Because God understands that. Because when you use a credit card, you're saying, God, I'm, I'm putting my money on you. And I, I believe at the end of the month, you're going to pay me the money that I need to fill, to meet this uh, bill that I have. So my brother and my sister, allow me to tell you, when the puzzles are there, trust God. You see, the reason why, the reason why we... We laugh when God tells us he can solve our, our puzzles. Is because we haven't fully understood who he is. Our relationship with him hasn't grown to that level. Who was God talking to? God was talking to Abraham. Ah, don't miss me. God was talking to Abraham. He wasn't talking to Sarah. Because Abraham, chapter 17, God had already told him how to do it. So... His faith was strong already. But Sarah's faith was a little weak. But what I love about this story is that God used Abraham's faith to do for Sarah what he said he would do for her. Even though you don't believe God, but because somebody believes on your behalf, God is going to act on your behalf and solve your problem. You see, many of us have a man or a brother called Jesus. The Bible says 
he intercedes. And that's what I see Abraham doing right here. He was interceding for his wife. Because God was talking to Abraham, the man of faith. But about his wife. But she, he was standing in the place of his wife because of his faith. And the beautiful thing is, because Jesus Christ intercedes on our behalf, according to Hebrews. Therefore, because Jesus believes in God, because Jesus has, has, has a close connection with God, and because we believe in Jesus, even though our faith is tired, is weak, God is able to still move on our behalf, even though our faith is not so strong. I've given you something to take home with you. You need to be thanking God for it. And so, because if Sarah was laughing at God, it would have told me that God would say, okay, she's laughing, I can't do it anymore. But because Abraham believes, he says, oh, based on the belief system of a husband, I'm going to do something. And so my brother, my sister, hear me, somebody, hear, me, hear me tell you this. Pray for people in your life. A brother and a sister who doesn't believe in God anymore, pray for them. God is going to move on, on their behalf because of your prayer. Are you understand what I'm saying? Somebody is sick and in the hospital. Pray for them. Even though they say God is, is punishing me and he's made me sick. God will say, okay, I know you. That's how you feel. But because your son and your daughter is praying, I'm going to move through their faith and solve your puzzle. So don't quit. Pray. Don't give up. Allow God to do things for you that you cannot do for yourself. I love this story. Because it tells me, it comforts me that my abilities are not the problem. It's God's abilities. The God who enables me is what I need to focus on. Not on me. I need to keep in mind that God is one-on-one. -on -one. He knows my situation. I need to keep in mind that the calendar is in his, his hands. I need to keep in mind that God is a puzzle solver. And when you keep those thoughts in your mind, then he's going to enable you to meet whatever challenge and whatever difficulty you may have. Lord, help me to believe even when I don't feel like believing. Lord, help me to trust you even when I don't feel like trusting you. Lord, help me to be committed to you even when my situation tells me I should give you up. Anybody? Anybody? Every head is bowed. Every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Heavenly Father, I'm, th I'm so thankful because you are the God who enables us. And I'm so glad, Heavenly Father, that you are a one-on-one -on -one God. You know my name. You know my location. And you know my situation. I'm so glad that you are a God who has mastered the calendar. Because one day I know that my life will change when you meet the appointment that you have set for me. Lord, I'm so glad you're a God who can solve puzzles. Me and my brothers and sisters cannot solve problems for ourselves, especially those difficult ones. But Lord, I'm so glad that you are a puzzle solver. And so I pray, give us faith to believe in you in spite of how we feel, in spite of how we see it, in spite of how we conclude on it, give us faith to believe. Lord, this is my prayer. This is my hope. In the wonderful and awesome name of Jesus. Amen.